Yeah, welcome. Thank you for uh, grinding it through the snow and the ice to be with us here for first service this morning. And uh, there's a special place in heaven for you. (laughs) Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2, please. Luke chapter 2. Just think, next Sunday is Christmas Day. Life is crazy, isn't it? Well, we're in Luke chapters 1 and 2. We've been working our way through here over this month. Um, We've been uh, really, what I might kind of term as, we've been spending time being focused in the scriptures with maybe five, I'd call, insiders. Five insiders. We have Zachariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John. We have Mary and Joseph, the the human parents of Jesus, and I'm going to add one other there that we haven't really talked much about, not necessarily will today, but there's been another key player in this whole thing that's kind of been on the inside of it all, and that's actually the angel Gabriel, uh, who's appeared to both Zechariah and to Mary, giving them information about what's to take place. And these really have been the five that have been involved so far in Luke's telling of the birth of Christ. And uh, here what we're going to do today in chapter 2, we're going to begin at verse 8. We're going to go 8 through 12, and we're going to cover this little section here that I'm kind of calling outsiders are giving inside information. Outsiders who are given inside information here and uh, some really cool special stuff. So let me uh, pray as we get started. God, I just ask in this time that we have together in your word, that you would be here in your clear presentness of who you are, that we would be able to behold you more, understand you more. God, most of all, I just pray that we would come here today and walk out adoring you more. The fact that the second person of the Trinity came to earth, born, is crazy. God, honestly, it's hard for us to grasp and understand, but it's true, and you have, and therefore, we are here before you to adore you. And so help us to do that, Lord, I pray in Christ's name, amen. Let me actually begin by reading verses 1, picking up chapter 2, verse 1. Let me begin there. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, I can never get that name. I tried. It's on tape. I tried. Governor Q of Syria, and all were to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house of the house in the lineage of David. He went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse 8. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock 
by night. Let's pause here. Let's talk about a couple uh, items here in verse 8. First, in the same region. Uh, Understand, this is not the Magi of Matthew uh, that he talks about. This is a different group of individuals. And they're not 100 miles away. They're not 50 miles away. They're not 1,000 miles away. I don't know how far away they are. But they're in that region. They're in that territory. Uh, Understand, that territory is not huge. It's not like states. It's like around Indianapolis. And so it's not that far, but they're in the region that's there. And by the way, it notes, it says shepherds. It's interesting. We're not told any names. We're not even told how many shepherds. It's just plural. It could be two. It could be 10. It could be 20. Whatever you have in your mind on how many shepherds there are, go with it. <laughs> if you want 100 shepherds, take it. Um, I'm going with about eight, okay? But they're shepherds, and we're not told how many. And uh, it's interesting. There are some things you can read at this point talking about the shepherds. Uh, actually, at Christmas time, can be used to tell of them as kind of giving them a bit of a bad rap. And what I mean by that is that they can kind of be talked about as having this sense that they're kind of the uh, thieves and thugs. They're the smelly thieves and thugs. Uh, I don't think that's the case at all here. I don't think that's the case at all for a couple reasons. The main one is the scripture, when it talks about shepherds, it doesn't talk about them like thieves and thugs. Uh, A couple hundred years later, some of the reason I think the conversation can go that way with these individuals is because a few hundred years later, uh, shepherds actually did kind of have, in the context of culture, a sense that these are not necessarily the ones you want to invite over or to date your daughter. Uh, but in this time, you're, I think we just have these shepherds that are hardworking men, hardworking families. They're the uh, regular people. They're the average Joes and Janes of the day. And I bring all of that up because that gives me and should give us great hope. Because notice this. In the Gospel of Luke, written by Dr. Luke to most excellent Theophilus, both of them probably in their cultural structure of things, having a, an understanding that these are a couple individuals of some academic training, of some smarts, and of some real capability. And yet here in this, even Dr. Luke, writing to great uh, and most excellent Theophilus, is telling that the first individuals in his telling uh, account of the birth of Christ, the very first individuals that are given kind of the outsider's information are actually outsiders. They're actually regular Joes and Janes. And that gives us hope. Because what we are reading is not just about a certain select few. It's not just about some elite. It's not about a power class of any kind. We're being told here that in the same region, there are just regular people, farmers, carrying over their sheep. We're going to see here that God has something to say to them. Verses 8 and 9. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field watching the flock by night. Who cares by night? We'll find out in just a second. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. Notice this is an angel of the Lord. It's interesting because the exact same terminology is used over in chapter 1, verse 11. 
of the angel of the Lord appearing to Zechariah. Uh, then shortly thereafter, I believe it's verse 19 in chapter 1, um, in there, all of a sudden the angel then says that he is Gabriel. And here that same terminology is being used, and I can't say for sure, but most likely in the movement of the text, because there aren't chapter breaks and all these things, it's just continuing to move. Most likely this is Gabriel once again in on it, and Gabriel is like the bringer of great news for Zechariah, Mary, and now for these shepherds. Note that the, uh, it's an angel of the Lord. It's not just an angel. It wants to make sure it's an angel of the Lord and hear the glory shown around them. By the way, I think that's why the text includes by night. I mean, we can see in other texts of Scripture where the glory of God in it through an angel or whatever situation is shining before people even in the day. And so it's not just a light issue, it's just a presence issue, but here we get the sense that probably this is happening in the evening time, and how much more magnified would be the glory of this angel that is there, and it says that they were filled with fear, in fact, great fear. Always an interesting thing here, uh, just especially in all honesty, these last couple of years, this has been an interesting, intriguing thing for me personally. Because we, we look over in Luke chapter 1 with Zechariah, when the angel showed up, Zechariah was in great fear. When we look over in chapter 1 verse 29, Mary, when the angel shows up, is in great fear. And by the way, in our last series, we talked about how Job, Job chapter 40 and chapter 42, and Job is in fear before the Lord, like, okay, 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 you're right, you're right. And then, by the way, let's add to that the whole reality of Isaiah 6. With Isaiah, and then we can go to Revelation chapter 1. And John, there before the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ, and he sees him and he's face down, thinking he's going to die. One of the things that stands out on this is that over and over again, as people encounter the presence of the Lord being shown through the, this angel here, through likely through Gabriel here, the presence of the Lord takes people to their face, face down. And it's Christmas. And there's something wonderful about Christmas, but there's also something that can get not so wonderful, and that's familiarity. It just gets so familiar that we lose sight of the reality of what's going on. Listen, friends, if God for you has kind of become comfortable or manageable or typical or maybe even underwhelming, there's a problem. And lovingly I say it this way, the problem is not with the Lord. And yet I think, in my own life, how we move through life, and the Lord is so manageable. And so at my convenience, it can be so my genie God. Might I just suggest for us going into this Christmas week that we consider upping the face down reality of who God is. Friends, this is no 
nighttime fairy tale story. This is about God. And that makes all the difference. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. By the way, how cool is that? Over and over again, that's what the Lord does. When he shows up in things and his people are fearing in him like John in Revelation chapter 1 and Zechariah and with Mary, again and again, the Lord is like, listen, that's awesome. And yet here the angel is like, fear not, hold on, it's okay. I just want to say, that's cool. Because the truth of the matter is, the Lord's magnificence, the Lord's holiness should actually just utterly crush us in our sin. But here it's, no, 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 hang on, hang on. Actually, it's okay, guys, my eight guys. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you what kind of news? Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. (laughs) That's interesting. Because he says, uh, I have news for all the people. Not just for a certain few, but for all. And might I say that shepherds are pretty representative of all people. Just in the numerics of it, there are probably more, uh, you know, lay class people than there were uh, elite uh, people in higher positions. And here, uh, all of this is about all people, but also look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day. There's something really neat about that. Because the Lord addresses this whole thing, this whole thing at Christmas about the birth of Christ. This is information, this is good news that's for all people. It's available to all people. And yet then in the next statement of it, the angel also brings it back and he is essence in this, he's going, it's, it's to you. And this is for all people, but know this, this is to you as well in it. And that's the truth of the gospel in it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. (laughs) A Savior. Not a prophet. Not a moral leader. Not a political rebel rouser. A Savior. A Savior is someone who saves people. Savior is someone who saves people in need of being saved. Notice also, he's a Savior He is who is Christ. By the way, that term is huge. He, this is the Christ. That's the Old Testament reality of it. From the Old Testament times, uh, from Genesis chapter 3, we talked the other week about it, that the Lord said, one is going to be coming, born of a woman that is going to be bruised, but is going to deal Satan a lethal blow. And all through the Old Testament, the Messiah, the Messiah, is going to be coming, coming, coming. When is the Christ going to be coming? When is the Christ going to be coming? Hey guys, I got good for you, news for you. The Christ has come. This is not just some normal guy. This is not even just some semi-abnormal guy. This is the Christ. And by the way, he is not any Christ. He is a Christ. He is the Lord. That term has Old Testament reality to it of Christ, and it has divinity reality to it that this is God. When we say Christ the Lord, there is a pile of theology packed in that. 
This is the Messiah. This is the promised one that would be coming. And he is not just the Messiah, the Messiah as a human. This is the divine person of the Trinity. And then the text tells us, and you will find a baby. God in the flesh. Crazy. Still can't wrap my head around it all. And he's lying in a manger. By the way, so would so not expect that of him a savior, Christ the Lord. I wonder what these guys right now are thinking. I mean, I'm just a normal guy. And I just picture my eight guys around there. You're a hundred, whatever you want. I just picture my eight guys around there and poof! Whoa! Scared to death! I would be too. Marshmallow's still in hand? Dropped. And all of a sudden, this angelic being begins telling them information that they didn't know before. How cool. I just literally wonder if that was like pastoral staff, if we're like out, you know, and all of a sudden that happened. I mean, who's doing what? Eric, what are you doing? Cody, what are you doing? What am I doing? Uh, Just, what are these guys doing? Put yourself there. Understands what's taking place. They are not sent an email. They are not handed a piece of paper that's kind of just like, you know, read it. This is an encounter with an angel of the Lord. Bah, in the background. That was sheep, by the way. (laughs) So cool. Well, verse 13 through 20. How the outsiders respond to the inside information. Verse 13. And suddenly, suddenly means like really fast, right? I mean, I don't think we need any Greek parsing for that. Like suddenly, like bam, there was with the angel a what? A what? I promise you the marshmallows are for sure on the ground now. I mean, you're there and this is taking place and at first you're fearful of what's just happened and then all of a sudden a heavenly host shows up and the text doesn't tell us how many here either. I promise you it's not eight. And it's probably not a hundred. It's probably a myriad How many are in a myriad? No idea. (laughs) Okay? But get the picture. You're there. Gabriel shows up. And I just picture Gabriel, one of the key leads in all of the angelic being reality. I just picture him as being a six-pack abs stubbed. And there he shows up, and then wham! There's a heavenly host there. Karen and I were talking about this the other day, and Karen makes mention. It's just, it's just, it, it's, it almost reads like they couldn't stand being held back anymore. I love that. 
I mean, it's like, listen, the heavenly hosts are in a whole nother realm to where they, they have an understanding, but they don't know the details of everything going on. But it just, I get the picture from what Karen said. It's like, they're like back here and it's like, you have no idea what a big deal this is in light of redemptive history. And by the way, we've been around since redemptive history and we've seen it all the way uh, since creation on now. And it's like now, and now's the time. And they're like peering over the, like now's the time. It's like, we can't wait any longer. We're in on this. And poof, there they are. I love it because it's not just the human factor only of it. It's the divine heavenly host of it as well. And both are in on this. And these are average Joe, average Jane shepherds. These aren't the priests. Just regular people. Love that. A multitude of heavenly hosts. And they're praising God. And they're saying. In other words, they don't just kind of come in like monks. It's not like, ah, and they're there. It's just they come in praising God. It's like, go God, this is it. And saying glory to God in the highest. And they would know. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So many things could be said. But I don't know if it needs to. Just the fact here, the heavenly host, they are there and they praise God. That's it. That's what they're all about. They're not about their thing. They're not about who's out front of the pack of the heavenly hosts, who gets front row visibility. They're just there praising God for what God has done. Because the one of the Trinity from eternity past has now gone funkified. And he is born in a manger. We can't even grasp that, friends. We can't grasp that. It is so amazing. And they get it. (laughs) I was going through this text. There's a favorite scene in a movie, Amadeus, about Mozart. Andreas Salieri is Mozart's secret peer and rival. And there's a scene that's one of my favorite scenes in all moviedom because of the fact that he receives this original script score that Mozart had written. And in the scene, oh, I just love it. In the scene, he's looking at it And you're hearing the music, and you're seeing in his face, he's hearing the music off the page. And as he's hearing the music off the page, he's just in stunned awe as he hears it. And the scene just moves, and he's just like, unbelievable. He talks about in it how there is not even a a correction of a note anywhere. Like, like Mozart is just, 
hearing it in his own head. And Mozart was just writing the score down as he's along. And he's stunned by the ability and the sound and the beauty of it all. Why do I love that scene? Because, oh, I pray God's word comes off the page to us like that. That we don't read it just for some academic exercise or some spiritual exercise alone. But we read it and it comes off the page. And here are these shepherds out at night just doing their normal job as they normally would. And all of a sudden Gabriel shows up. And Gabriel says, don't fear, I have good news for you. One has been born. Christ, the Lord. And then... The heavenly show up because they can't stay out any longer. And they're praising God, glory to God in the highest. Oh, I just pray that we see it, we feel it, we sense it, we grasp it. Friends, Christmas is an awesome time of the year. It should come 3D off the page and just grab us and take us in. Verses 15 through 17. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Holy cow! (laughs) Holy shepherd! (laughs) They said to one another, Let's go. Paraphrased. Let's go. We have got to see this. This is a big deal. Don't don't make light of this, and I hope here in just a moment it'll stand off the page even more, but let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. Who cares how fast they went? Because it tells of intensity. It tells of a sense of how they're grabbing a hold of this. Like, no, 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 can't wait. No, no, but this isn't the best time because we need to get someone like to watch the sheep. No, 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 we're just going. It's big news. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, that's a big deal right there. There is something about seeing something that intensifies hearing about something. They saw it. I mean, can you just imagine that moment? They're putting all this together. I don't know what the timeline was. I don't know if it was that night and into the morning. I have no idea how all this went down and the movement of it. But they were in the area, they were in the region, and they went. And they saw it. What do they do with that? Well, Luke kind of just cuts to the chase and they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. In other words, they didn't hold it to themselves. The shepherds, they went, they saw, and they made known. That's going to be different here than what we're going to see in just a second. Let me read verses... 18, and all who heard it from them telling, wondered at. They wondered at what the shepherds told them. It's an interesting term there, wondered at. 
It's the same word that's used of Peter in Luke 24 when Peter sees the empty tomb. You know, like Peter saw Christ die and Peter betrayed him, so he's still going through all that stuff personally. And then he hears that the tomb is empty and he's like, no, no, what? And he runs to the tomb and it's empty. Whoa! What what do you do with that? Same word is used of uh, the people in Acts chapter 2 when they're in awe of the disciples with everything that's going on in Acts chapter 2. And they're just like, whoa, this is not normal. It's also used in Revelation 13. It says of the whole earth as they follow the beast in awe, in wonder, marveling at. Just like zombies in a marveled state. But here in Luke 2, all who heard wondered at, marveled at. Why am I making a deal out of that? Because it doesn't necessarily mean that they did anything with it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they did anything more than just hear it and go, whoa, that's freaky. Whoa. We'll see what happens. We don't know the details, and I want to be careful with that. But all we know is that the, the shepherds, they hear and marvel, and they go. And they check, and they dive in. But all the other people, when they hear, they're wondering at it. They're kind of left at that kind of a place. Verse 19. But Mary, Mary's an insider, if you will, but she's treasuring up all of this outsider occurrences and information. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. It's actually a different word, set of words in verse 19 that is used in verse 18. Mary's not doing the same wondering as all the people are. Something different is going on with Mary, with what's happening here. She's treasuring up all these things. Uh, consider it. She treasures them up. She, she, she ponders them in her heart. I mean, moms, you get this. I mean, there are just times where things take place that you just are like, I got to take that, and I'm going to... Put that in the treasure box of my heart and I'm going to lock the key and keep that one. And I'm going to hold on to that. And that moment, that information, those happenings that are going on, I'm not going to let go of that. And that's what Mary does in all of this. Mary isn't just like marveling at, it's a different word. Mary is taking this and thinking it through and observing it and grabbing it all and grabbing a hold of it and treasuring it in her heart. It's really cool the way it terms this all. And again, moms, you get this. And the rest of us can get it too. There are just times in our life where there are things that take place. It's like, got to hold on to that one. Holding on to that one. And Mary is. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. (laughs) In other words, what God said was happening, happened, and they saw it. Living proof evidence of exactly what they were told took place. 
question. Do you think that these average Joe individuals went back to their average Joe lives and lived in all their average Joe ways, doing all of their average Joe things in light of what just happened? I doubt it. Let me ask it again. Do you think that these average Joe individuals went back to their average Joe lives and lived in all of their average Joe ways and all of their average Joe thinking, doing all their average Joe things the exact same way? I doubt it. Why? Because the birth encountered and the birth received changed everything. And a life without change is a life that has not encountered it. Lives should not go unchanged. We're not talking about perfect, but lives when they encounter the birth of Christ, when you understand what it is, not just wondering at it, but you have to go away different from it. And, and the, the shepherds, I could say it this way, the average Joe shepherds received the information that they heard. And then they went at it, they dove into it, and life afterward, it is assumed, was changed. That's what the gospel's supposed to do. That's why Jesus Christ came. That we would be able to be insiders on inside information or receiving inside information. We begin as outsiders, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. But we have the insider information that God has come. And by receiving that and taking that in, life's to change. It's been interesting this Christmas going through these texts for me this year. I'm just going to be very transparent with you here. As a pastor... Um, having the opportunity and kind of the role of um, kind of being the main teacher in our time when we gather together. One of the things that burdens me and has burdened me increasingly so in recent months is, Is all of this really making a difference in people's lives? And I'm not asking for any kind of comeback to me. I'm just saying there are times to where in a church this size, is there anyone who in all of this is coming and coming and coming, hearing the story again and again and again, and even marvels at, but it just stays right there. greatest burden on my life right now. And I just want to let you know, this information of Christmas is more than a fairy tale. This reality of Christmas makes everything have meaning. It is to, to result in utterly Changing us from the inside out. 
by hearing of what Christ has done, this baby, the reason he's born in a manger is because he's not come to sit in a throne at this time. He's coming to go to the cross to die, to be murdered, to be sacrificed, and to rise again. And scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, all, every one of us start in that condition. Separated from God. Doomed to hell because of sin. And in this, this is the kind of Christmas time we're in this where it's like, oh, friend. This is not toy information. This is not child information. This is meat. This is maturity. This is about eternity. This is about life now forever. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if this is tuned out stuff, oh, please hear it. Oh, don't let Christmas go by this Christmas just as another Christmas. I'm just asking that God would take us face down this Christmas time. With a renewed sense of awe. With a renewed sense of who the Lord is and what he has done. And an entirely renewed sense of the reality of my need for Christ. Every day depending upon him. Friend. If all of this is boring for you. I just lovingly ask, might you reconsider? Because this actually is everything. All I can do, like the shepherds, is make known. I cannot make anyone receive and I will not play with you. The Lord has come. And all who know Christ, oh, we should just be welling up in joy. And if you don't, oh, come talk. Come to Christ. Because he came for you. Well, God, I'm going to leave it there. And, uh, This Christmas, is not just another Christmas. It is a Christmas to adore you. And the adoring of you is not just a momentary moment of adoration of you. Not even just a momentary song. The kind of adoring that goes on uh, should change lives. God, for some, this time of the season, this time of the year is one of the hardest times of the year. God, I just ask that you would be the God of comfort and the God of peace to them. And that the fact of who you are and what you have done would be that joy when at times there seems to be no joy. God, I would pray for all of us that we would just have a renewed sense of you coming off the pages. Not only in this time that we have together, but as we leave these doors and in this coming week, 
a renewed sense of awe of who you are, a renewed sense of reality of who you are. You came. And that means everything is different because of it. Lord, I pray for that person this morning who maybe they're confused. Maybe they're struggling just with understanding who you are and what's going on. Oh God, I pray. Would you come alongside them and encourage them? God, might they dive into your word to see who you are? To move beyond the sense of maybe even wonder. But dive in and go see it for themselves. To go and ask someone for help. To learn what scripture says about who you are and what you have done and what are the results of that. Oh God, we love people who want to think and understand and dive in. So this Christmas, Lord, may we adore you in ways like we've never adored you before. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray.